Hello and welcome to episode number 57 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brendan Capazello and Justin Ray. And right now, we have a lot to talk about in both the NFL and the NBA. Stick around if you're a basketball fan until the end of the episode. We'll be discussing, can this player be a championship number one, the Atlanta Hawks, and a little bit more. Now, starting off today, fellas, a lot's happened in the NFL. Baker Mayfield signing or being claimed by the Rams. The Titans firing their seven-year GM in the middle of the season after A.J. Brown shredded them last Sunday. It's been a, a whirlwind, especially for your boy, Brandon, and Baker, who uh, has become a journeyman now after being a number one overall pick. But we got to start off today with a uh, discussion that we left off on, I guess it was last Tuesday. And that, of course, being the GOAT first boat. But before we do that, how are you guys feeling today? I'm feeling excellent. I told you guys earlier, the Yankees locked Aaron Judge down. He'll be a Yankee today. He'll be a Yankee tomorrow. He'll be a Yankee forever. And I'm just happy. Number 99 is staying in pinstripes. John? Are you good, Brandon? I'm good. John, I'd like to formally apologize to you. For telling you to shut your mouth last episode. What happened? Apparently we angered some people. So I would like to take this moment to apologize to you. Thank you. You know, I You're really welcome. I had a hard time sleeping on Thursday night too. So no, wait, no. what happened? <laughs> so during the uh I guess it was two was it two episodes ago? When I, no, it was last episode where <laughs> I was I was talking to Brock Birdie and recap like shut it, shut it. I was like, dude, I'm not joking. That's all good. <laughs> you know, this is a, a heated discussion. And sometimes yeah. people are not going to like what they hear. And that's okay. If you listen, we appreciate it. If you don't, we still appreciate you being here. Now, talking about Aaron Judge, just in nine years, $360 million. This is my question for you. You're a Yankee mm-hmm. fan. You have Judge now for the next nine years. Are they actually going to a championship with him? Yeah, I think we'll win too. Uh, that's an arbitrary it- number or? No, I, I'm I'm more than positive. I, the reason why I say this is uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with everything that happened, but our owner, Hal Steinbrenner, who's been criticized so much for being not like his father, George, spending money and going out and just, you know, getting the best player, buying the best players to win championships. He stepped up to the plate. And in fact, he was our, our Mariano Rivera and he closed the deal with Aaron Judge that day and and 360 million this is the largest contract in MLB history i think in terms of uh AAV so that's salary per year um i think he proved to us he proved to us yankee fans that he's willing to break the bank to make sure that we have the best 26 man roster out there we got Aaron Judge we brought back Anthony Rizzo i do not think that he's done spending and i think we'll hear more about the Yankees and what are they going to do this offseason, maybe this week or next. But we're definitely not done. We're serious about winning number 28 this year. That was a really uh, – you're getting me a little bit excited here, a little bit too excited. I feel like I've had this discussion with many Yankee, fan over, many Yankee fans over the years. Uh, with that being said, Ben, you know, it's okay if Brock Purdy does go on this run. I don't want the apology now. I want it then. Just to make you're not getting no, because that's not happening. You sure? A hundred percent. A hundred percent certain. Like, I would probably bet my life on it. You would be risking a lot, my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, You would, but I like my odds. 
All right. So uh, the first topic. It's not today. disrespectful. Come on, Justin. He's a seventh round pick, dude. Oh, he can see the middle of the field. Coordinator's offense relies on that. I'd hope he can see the middle. You know, of the we we got to see how what, what happens this week. Yes, yeah, TBD. We'll what this week. But ultimately, there's a reason they didn't put a claim in for Baker Mayfield. They think they got something on this kid. I think we'll that see. says a lot. It probably says more also about Baker, but that too. Yeah, not sure how receptive a locker room would be if you just throw him in there in December. First topic of the show, guys: the boat debate, or maybe Brandon, it's this the greatest of all time versus the best of all time. Mm. I don't want to turn this into a Tom Brady diatribe, but more so, I want to discuss or at least hit on my one my one take, so to speak, of yeah. Patrick Mahomes being the best quarterback I've ever watched. And when I said that, it was not based off accolades. Because, look, Patrick Mahomes, it's his fifth year as a starter. But ultimately, what he can do with the creativity, the ability to work in the red zone, Andy Reid's a great play caller. But when the, when the play breaks down, it's not Andy Reid dialing things up and making some of the most out-of-whack out of plays simply out of structure. And so when I look at Patrick Mahomes' skill set all around, I feel like we, we've reached a point with him where there's never been a quarterback truly better. And in Kansas City, sure, he's got Travis Kelsey. They just traded arguably the best receiver in the NFL. And Mahomes this year has been, in my opinion, the MVP. The Chiefs' three losses. First, the Colts, that was just BS. That They should have won that game. It was due to special teams. Mahomes played a very good game. Then against the Bills, Mahomes did have two picks. But at the same time, Bills have a top-five defense. And as much as we may be negative about Sean McDermott on the show, he does a great job with that side of the ball. He's on the road. That's going to happen to any quarterback. I saw it last week with Tua. And then this last loss, you know, for Patrick Mahomes, I'm not blaming him for Travis Kelsey fumbling, Harrison Bucker missing the kick. I feel like arguably the Chiefs this year could be 13-0, and 12-1. and And so for Mahomes, I'm not going to be overly critical of him because he hasn't been perfect. But has he been really freaking good for each of the last five seasons? Has he been able to work his way out of the mud when things haven't been going so well? Absolutely. So I, uh, it's not about praising Mahomes every single show, but it's kind of recognizing the historical magnitude of a guy that is de facto rookie season, one MVP. And since that point on, he's just continued to get more and more comfortable. And now we're at a point where Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. And the best quarterback I've ever seen, of course. Justin, do you want to take this first? Uh, well, first off, hold on, because I want to, like, I kind of want to get everything on the table, right? So, here's my problem with this. When, when, when people in general, not only John, just people in general in the sports world talk about GOAT. Um, So, before, before Brady, right, I guess you would say, started getting the GOAT moniker, uh, when we used the word GOAT, we talked about, you know, a Michael Jordan, right? And then nowadays, now it's turned into MJ and LeBron. When we talk about those guys, um, in no way do we ever bring up they're the GOAT because of their accolades or because they're the most accomplished. Because if that was the case, right? It would be Bill Russell, and it wouldn't even be close. So that's my problem. When when people are talking about Tom, they want to. It, it's it's really is. It comes from. I'm sorry to say this, but it really does. It comes from the Brady hate. They want to diminish Brady, and say he's the goat 
but then give that little asterisk next to his name. Oh, well, he's the, the greatest of all time because of his accolades and his accomplishments. So, so they'll say Aaron Rodgers is the best throw of the football. Um, Patrick Mahomes is the best, uh, the most talented quarterback they've ever seen. But again, at the end of the day, you play this game to win. And he's done it at the highest level. And it's not even like, like if you want to bring up talent-wise, right? If you strictly want to talk talent, Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Patrick Mahomes. It's just a fact. I mean, you can look at the numbers. You can use your eyeballs and watch them both. It's pretty clear. He throws a better football. He throws less turnover-worthy plays. And he's done it for a much longer time. So I mean that 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 that's that's where I I I, I kind of and you bring up the historical nature of what Mahomes is doing, but yet you 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 basically when you do that you're disrespecting every other Hall of Fame quarterback that has played. You disrespect them when you say, "Oh, I'm taking Mahomes over him." That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm gonna be honest. So, I, I don't I don't really think there's an argument between Mahomes over Brady. I I think it's foolish. It's a foolish argument completely. If you want to entertain the argument in maybe ten years, okay. But I feel like like Brandon said. I think it's just it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a quarterback that's played what five five years now. Five years. Five years in the league compared to a quarterback that's over twenty. Mm-hmm. And has won how many Super Bowls? Seven, been to ten. Seven. Seven and has been to ten. He's and been he's to been the Super to, Bowl like half of to, his career. He's been to 14 championship games, AFC and NFC. That's, That's ridiculous. They, they have to rename the Super Bowl trophy after him. Or or something. Like I, I think it's just too it's too soon to start saying, uh, this guy's better than this. Wow. I'll give I'll give Mahomes credit here. We have never seen a quarterback perform at this level so early in their career. That's all right. Dan Marino. His second year won the MVP through 48 touchdowns in the in, what was it? The 80s. The mm-hmm. 80s. Here's the thing let's bring up too, right? People fail to mention. And this is just I'm just gonna ask you. It's a rhetorical question because we all know the answer. He's also been to two Super Bowls. He has, true. But answer answer me this. This era that Patrick Mahomes has played in, kind of much easier than back in the day, than even like 10 years ago. Defenses are handicapped. The rules are literally in favor of offensive success. It Are we going to ignore that fact? Do you see the numbers other quarterbacks are putting up on a yearly basis? There's no debate. You're right. Like, it's crazy nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, that's hella impressive. Dan Marino in his second season in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. I think it might have been 80, 85, 86 or something like that. And off the top of my head, I don't know. 84. 84 was his MVP. 5,000 yards, 48 TDs, and an 8.5 touchdown uh, t- TD percentage. The Dolphins think about, won 14 games and, and then lost, lost in the Super Bowl Super versus Bowl, the 49ers. Okay, and think about that. Think how long that record stood, that 5,000 yards. Breeze didn't break it till 2011. 
84 to a 2011. I understand it, right? I get it. But we do also have to bring up that Mahomes is playing in a much easier league than these other quarterbacks that a Brady played in, a Peyton, a Joe Montana, John Elway, Dan Marino, Steve Young, uh, Drew Brees for his early, Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I mean, for me personally, I don't know about you guys, I feel like the league really started to change around 2015-ish, 2016. Kind of right after the Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom was that last defense that you looked at and was like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but even even then, I feel even like then too, the quarterback, was. yeah, was super protected. So I, I would even go as far back as maybe 2010, 2011 is when I think things started to shift. Okay, yeah. I th- I, I'm speaking more drastically. I feel like in the last six or seven years is where it really, like you've noticed, like it's just been... Because even back then, dude, because you remember 2010-11, what players were playing during then still? Troy Palomalu, Ray Lewis, Lewis, James Harrison, Ed Reed, Haloti Nata, Terrell Suggs, these dudes, Brian Urlacher, these dudes would lay hits on you. Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis was a monster. Come on, man. Like, so so for me, it's just... and. Justin brought it up, right? 10 years, maybe we can uh, start talking about this debate, right? First, Tom Brady really didn't start getting mentioned in the GOAT conversation till I would say the Seahawks Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? And I think it he really confirmed it with the Falcons Super Bowl. Like that that was the stamp, like, okay, th- this is, o- it's over, right? No. Five Super Bowls. I think at that time it was three or four MVPs. And the greatest comeback in football history. I don't want to effing hear it. It's the greatest comeback in football history. I mean, the the grandest stage, the biggest stakes, everything on the line. Seventeen minutes left, you're down twenty eight to three. I don't want to. I don't want to hear it. So in ten years, we can discuss it. Let's talk about this, right? The 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 sustain the sustained success of of not even Brady, but the Patriots dynasty. The greatest dynasty in sports history, 20 years. And I, I know I'm not trying to be like, yeah, I'm a Patriots fan, 20-year dynasty. It's just it what it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like John, if you were alive during the 70s with the steel curtain, you would be saying it is what it is. We had a dynasty. Okay, but we had the greatest dynasty. The Patriots had the greatest dynasty. That's not really that's not gonna happen. That doesn't happen. That's never happened. 20 years of success. 14 uh, NFC and AFC championship games, 10 Super Bowl appearances, eight straight AFC championship appearances from 2012 to, to 2019 or something like that. But what you, if you Andy Reid? What if Andy Reid retires? He's 65. 60. He turns 65 in March. What if he retires? What Travis Kelsey's 33. He's showing no signs of slowing down, but he's not going to be there forever. And he's getting up there in age. Are they going to replace the players the right, right way? You already see the defense is struggling. Well, well, that's that's an if. That's looking very far into the it, future. I know. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But we are. I mean, you want to look forward. Those are things that could possibly happen. Like, it's so hard. You have to be correct. And, like, you have to get it right on so many levels. The draft. Free agency, trades, injuries, uh, j- matchups, everything. It's just, you know, 
You know, Go ahead, Justin. You had something you wanted yeah, to say. So, so you mentioned all that about AFC title games and Super Bowl appearances. But if this is why I say we can entertain this argument in 10 years, because he's I, I thought much like you that there would be nothing close to what we saw from the Patriots dynasty, that we would never see anything like it again. And then boom, Tom Brady's last year in New England. You see Mahomes goes to an AFC title game, loses to Brady. The next year, he's going to the Super Bowl and winning. The next year, he's going to the Super Bowl and losing. The next year, he's in another AFC title game. And this year, I think it's it's fair to assume that there's a good chance that he's back in at least the AFC title game again. Um, obviously, what separates them is Super Bowl appearances and Super Bowl wins. But Patrick Mahomes is well on his way. He, I feel like – I think – he'll have probably more passing yards. I mean, the only thing is, is how long is he going to play? Is he going to play up to page 45 to catch up to Tom Brady? He may not need to. Tom Brady wasn't throwing like this in his probably first 10 years of his career. He wasn't throwing the way Patrick Mahomes is throwing. And while granted, as you said, it's a, it's a totally different NFL, totally different NFL. It's, it's way more pass happy and pass friendly. The quarterback is way more protected than, than ever before. So in terms of statistics, I think Patrick Mahomes is on pace to shatter every single one. But will he have the moments that Tom Brady has? And that's where what Brandon said, uh, we, we look at accolades so much. Look at every single moment in Tom Brady's career back to his rookie year, you know, leading a, a, a Super Bowl winning drive to set Adam Finitari up for a Super Bowl multiple times. Um, look at the Seahawks Super Bowl marching down the field against the best defense in football. And a lot of people say one of the greatest defenses of all time. We're going to talk about that in history next to the steel curtain. We're going to talk about that with the purple people eaters. We're going to talk about that with uh, Chicago's defense back in the day. We're going to talk about the Legion of Boom the same way in 10, 15 years. So I think Tom Brady, what, what, what really elevates him among the Peyton Mannings, the Drew Breeses, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patty Mahomes, the Dan Marinos, all of them is the moments that he's had on the biggest stage, always stepping up. My favorite uh, pitcher of all time is Mariano Rivera, closer for the New York Yankees. Tom Brady is a freaking closer. Shuts the door. It, no, There's no person that you're more scared of in the fourth quarter. We just saw it on Monday. We just saw it on Monday. There is no person you're more afraid of there could be 50 seconds left on the clock, and yet you still have an ounce of hope because of who's on the field. I don't think you feel that way about anybody else in football history right now. Aaron Rodgers? No, not, not even. Community, Brandon, I think. Brandon, we can't hear you. Uh, Apologies. Yeah. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, John, I was saying, if this was – if this was 2010 coming off of Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl win right and I told you he's never going to get back to the championship game you would laugh in my face and call me an idiot but what happened over the last 12 years never got back think about that not even he never got back you don't know what's going to happen for a guy that people look at as a top five quarterback of all time, me included, I think I have him number five all time or four, somewhere right there with Aaron Rodgers. 
he never got back. Now, Mahomes has had great success right now, right? Justin read it off. You also got to bring up, I don't want to diminish, it's, you know, I'm not even going to say because it it's, it's going to sound diminishing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that, but go ahead, John, you, you said you wanted to say something. Oh, not really, but that Packers defense was a little bit older. Charles Woodson, 34 years old, Nick Collins, 27. But John, 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 st- stop. You're We're not, that, you're, you're missing 24. it. You're missing the point. That's exactly what me and Justin are talking about. It's not even just the quarterback. It's about everything. Like you don't, the turnover from year to year in the NFL. And that's why I think there's just a a misunderstanding here between us because this discussion that I embarked on had nothing to do with team success and very little to do with production because today in the NFL, there's a 17th game, which is number one, the biggest boost for these records to be shattered. Number two, performance and strategy advancements, just modern offenses as we see today, and three, officiating protecting quarterbacks. So... It's basically impossible to compare a Dan Marino and the, the league he played in to Patrick Mahomes 35 years later. What I'm getting at here isn't, it's a relatively straightforward thing. If I could build a quarterback, right, just purely build one, and I had to kind of pick off of any player I've seen, I would choose Patrick Mahomes. Because I feel like for Tom Brady, while he is the greatest player in NFL history, just in terms of who's the better all-around player, Patrick Mahomes would fit better and elevate more teams because in terms of capable. talent. In terms of just it's arm not, talent, you're only no. bringing up arm talent. You don't because get it. John. Here, here you go. Is he, is he the most accurate quarterback of all time? No, that's it's Drew Brees. Not, it's really not that much to do with accuracy today. Okay, what makes but again, quarterbacks is so. Not, so it's not, you're not getting it. It's so not talent just, wise. It's, so mine talent yeah, wise. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than him, John. He is. I would build Aaron Rodgers. You don't get it. How do I not get it? Explain Continue, it to me, John. Then. Continue. There's Treat a lot. Treat me like more a simpleton. Than... Treat me like a simpleton. How do I not get it? What am I not compu- computing in my head right now? Go ahead. The best quarterbacks have talents. They also have skill. And for Patrick Mahomes, while he is one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time, the difference is how creative he is and the way he can improvise and extend plays when they're dead in ways that. Tom Brady has never been able to. Tom I'm Brady- talking Rodgers. I'm talking Rodgers. You want to talk talent? Let's just talk talent then. Let's talk it. Rodgers, don't Mahomes bring Brady. Maybe the best quarterback I've seen work in the red zone. Aaron Rodgers now on that level. I mean, I mean, have you looked up the numbers to back your back up that statement? Because I remember you bringing up the fact that Matt Ryan has been terrible in the red zone his entire career. And I looked up those numbers, and you were wrong. That's not he's true. He's always very good. No, he he was very good in the red zone. Actually, he didn't throw any interceptions. Well, that's not how the red the zone over. works, my friend. That's okay. Well, turnovers that, is not that... the only metric to evaluating success. And okay, well, he had the Falcons in the past. You would see that Matt Ryan has historically been below just average, because he's... below standards in the red zone. That that's not true. I mean, you can look at the numbers. It's just not true. You don't have the numbers in front of you. So as far as I'm concerned, you're just speaking gibberish. Okay, then I'll pull up the numbers right now. So go ahead, continue. That was all I was getting at here. Patrick Mahomes historically is the most complete quarterback I've ever seen. And in today's NFL, let me say another thing here. It's not just about what quarterback's the best. 
like you guys said, it's what quarterback has done the most, what quarterback has the best moments, which is why historically Tom Brady is the guy, and he will be for a very, very, very long time. With that in mind, the next generation of a quarterback is usually going to be better in the past model, just because of, number one, the advancements in strategy, but also performance. With the way players are being trained nowadays, in 25, 30 years, we can continue to be having this discussion with the new quarterback, because in the 60s, relative to the 80s, we're constantly seeing the position evolve and improve. Mm-hmm. And up until the, the, the scales are kind of tipped where defenses have a little bit more of an advantage, we're just going to see offenses continue to take off. So this discussion is more so stacking up players to their, their competition. Like that's the only way you can really evaluate how good they truly are. And so that's that's another reason why, for me, it's just Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers. And uh not sure if there'd be anyone else in that top three. You're still muted, by the way. Breeze, uh, Peyton, Montana. Nothing. No, it's not. It's not quarterback rank. It's just pure. Who would I build if I could have a quarterback? Who would I pick? So Drew Brees would not be in my top five. Okay. Oh, I mean, I guess if that that's personal preference, who you would build. But again, I, I mean, I want to play uh, devil's advocate with you guys. Go ahead. How many Super Bowls? Does a guy like Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, even I guess a Dan Marino, if you want to throw him in the conversation, um, win if they have Bill Belichick? And how many does Tom Brady win if is he if he's in one of their shoes? If he's in a Peyton Manning shoes, the sliding door is the fact. We could do this to anyone historically. You know, what if Bill Russell didn't have Red Aura back? What if Michael Jordan didn't have Phil Jackson? We'll never know. And ultimately, that's kind of what makes this this discussion. Well, well I ask this because so I've I've had conversations. One of my cousins, he's a, a huge Peyton Manning fan, and he'll die on his grave saying Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time. He will say that. And one of the arguments he always says is, if Peyton Manning was on the Patriots, they would have won more. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing: is we kind of actually did get to find out what would happen if Brady didn't have Belichick and he won a Super Bowl in a pandemic year well, on a brand grant, new team with a torn MCL. As impressive as that is, that's also a seasoned quarterback. That's a quarterback that's already had tons of experience and then plus now a ton you know, of talent. People were team. told on, hold on. People were telling everybody was saying Brady was falling off the cliff. John religiously brings up the 2019 season of, of uh, Tom Brady saying it was one of his worst seasons. And he looked, and he looked bad, and the Patriots were bad. Everybody was saying he was. A lot of people were sorry, not everybody. They started twenty nineteen. I know. Huh? They started that season. I know. They just lost the Titans in the first round after taking. Yeah, but no, you still. It's still, but he didn't look as he still. Brady didn't play up to his standards. If you want to go look at the numbers, he didn't play up to. That was one of his uh, uh, worst seasons of his career. But uh, yeah, but still, go Justin. Still going into that season. You're learning a brand like again. We we we've we've gotten spoiled. Football fans in general have been spoiled with the Tom Brady, with with Tom Brady, because of what he's been able to do. Like it doesn't happen. He still was forty two at the time too. Like mm-hmm. th- this doesn't happen. Like it's never happened before. He came into this season ranked number one in the NFL top one hundred by his peers. His players, not his players, sorry, that sounds wrong. The players around him, 
Coming in, he was 45, and they were ranking him number one as the best player in the league. Like I I said, I don't believe it. I'm playing devil's advocate, but it is is worth the question. I I, I always ask myself, if Aaron Rodgers was the Patriots quarterback, with all the talent that John mentions that Patrick Mahomes has, I think we can all agree, talent-wise, I'm not talking about cutting the chest open and looking at the heart. I'm saying talent-wise, Aaron Rodgers is is more talented than Tom Brady. I don't think that's that's a question. In terms of arm talent, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, in terms of that, we'll probably give the edge to Aaron Rodgers. So I, I wonder if Bill Belichick had a quarterback like that, do they win, you know, in that period of time where the Patriots didn't win a Super Bowl? Do they win one with a guy like Peyton? Do they win one with a guy like Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I the with the Patriots, do the Patriots win one with the – I think mm-hmm. so because they're great quarterbacks. I've always said, if you ask me, right, who gets more credit for the Patriots dynasty, right? Everybody wants to ask that question. I've always said it's 50-50. Belichick Brady at 50-50. Okay. Would they have success without each other? Yes. If you put another – because, again, people want to try and diminish what Belichick has done because of what he's got now and what he's had with Cam. Again, you're, you're taking Tom and putting in Cam – and Mac Jones, they don't compare. You would take Tom out and put in a Peyton Manning, a Drew Brees, a Rodgers, mm-hmm. a Patrick Mahomes, and those guys, because that's a comparable talent. I, I, I just, I, I, so I think, yes, Belichick would win if he had some of those other great quarterbacks, and Brady would win if he had a great head coach with him too. Tony Dungy was is a Hall of Fame head coach. Jim Col- Caldwell is a good head coach. There's no doubt, and before... Sorry to my Peyton manager if there's like your cousin Justin. I was saying mm-hmm. if I could build a quarterback, I would go, you know, Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, then that'd be it. I kind of left off our guy, Peyton Manning. So he would be in that discussion as well. And you're right, Brandon. It is senseless to debate who is more important, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. They won six Super Bowls together. They're the best duo of a quarterback and a coach. And ultimately, they're lucky to be with one another, sure. But usually the greatest people have a lot. And so for those two guys, they're beneficiaries and they took full advantage. That's literally all there is to it. Now, moving on, Brandon, with Matthew Stafford on IR and John Warford, the Rams back first, quarterback. First, having I, I, I do, sorry for cutting you off, John. But first, I do want to say, because you brought up Matthew Stafford, I did see this, and this is actually pretty serious. I forget who it was who was talking. It was on a TikTok. Um, it was a guy who had a, a, a podcast or a show. And he said, I guess he's heard that Matthew Stafford has a bruised spinal cord. Um, that people don't know about it, but he, I guess he knows because he knows people in that organization or whatever. Um, and I guess that has something to do with something hitting your disc or whatever. And that is not good. Um, and he said, the guy talking said, I've had that before. So he, he basically said, Stafford has an, uh, an, an option, uh, two options, get the next surgery and you can continue playing or you have to retire. Mm. So, I mean, that, that's a great, I, I don't know, I guess it would be on the similar similarness to what Peyton had. Maybe I forget what Peyton had exactly, but I know it was a neck injury. And there were cautions about if he got the neck surgery, would he ever be the same? 
Uh, so maybe that's what Stafford is kind of going through. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know uh, like for sure, but it's some bad stuff. So I guess that would explain why Stafford has not, you know, looked at all and taken the punishment he's taken. This It's just, oh, I feel bad for the guy. So this Baker Mayfield thing actually might be, I know you wanted to joke about it, John, but it actually might be legit like because Matthew Stafford might, you know, retire if he chooses not to get the next surgery. So continue. Sorry. Johnny boy. Sorry, my computer is going crazy over here. Oh. The stupid air fence. I have myself muted. We saw Liz last all season. Chris Carson had a neck hardware and he ultimately retired. And for Matthew Stafford, this is really serious. Sean McVay came out and said he expects a healthy offseason and that this isn't going to be a long-term issue. But with Sean McVay, I think he that's, we don't know. So for the Rams, they claim Baker Mayfield, and reportedly they're the only team to put a claim in. Now, what this allows them to do if he were to leave and sign with the team for NC is gives them a potential compensatory draft pick, which is nice. Now, for the Rams at the same time, they don't have their draft pick this year. They're a 3-9 football team that plays today versus the Las Vegas Raiders, Justin's team, who he thinks will make it into the playoffs. Justin, we're going to hit on that for sure. But before we can even get to there, when the Rams picked up Baker Mayfield, look, these are just a flyer on a guy that is a former first overall pick, has shown very good highs. But ultimately, with Baker Mayfield, he's a bust. And I don't take pride in saying this, but we had to have this discussion. In the offseason, we tried to define what a bust is, and we went over the lineage of quarterbacks. Britton called Alex Smith a bust. And then I said, oh, let's push back on that. That would make almost half of the first-round NFL first overall picks busts. And usually when we look at the history of the pick, there's a level of stability with these guys. For Baker Mayfield, he has now requested a trade out of a great situation in Cleveland because he didn't want to be there anymore, which is understandable. And then he gets to Carolina, things don't work out well, and he has to be released. He now lands in Los Angeles. In my opinion, we've went over this before, so there's no need to, to dive in deeper into it. For Baker Mayfield, this, if he gets this opportunity to start and it looks good, may be his last opportunity to actually be a starter in the NFL. And the main reason why is because he's really just had some unfortunate luck with injuries, but at the same time, he's a smaller quarterback that Let's just say how it is. He's consistently injured. It's been a variety of things. And then he just made a bad choice, leaving Cleveland to go to a dysfunctional environment where he couldn't pick where he's traded, but ultimately he wanted to go there. And now for Baker, it feels like for these two parties, the Rams may be potentially looking for a long-term option at quarterback because Matthew Stafford's 34 going on 35. And like you're seeing with this neck injury, that's nothing to joke around about. You're seeing it with Andrew Luck. He retired at 29, and we could talk about him. I think he's pretty happy he retired when he did. So for Baker Mayfield, this is a pretty nice landing spot because of no pressure, quality head coach, and ultimately when there's no pressure on you and people are taking the lights off, even while in Los Angeles, no one's care no one cares about the Rams. They're a terrible football team. They're gonna have a top five pick this year, maybe a top three pick. Oh, and well, they're not going to, you're right. But in the second <laughs> round, they would. they're gonna be a top five draft pick team they'll then go to, of course, the Detroit Lions. Yes. So I'm saying, look, for Baker, this is a good move. But I mean, this Rams offense—it's—it's it's pretty bad right now. They—that's what I'm saying. Daryl Henderson earlier in the year, and uh, no Cooper Cup. <laughs> no you offense. say you say it's a good move. I mean, yeah, Sean McVay's there, but who the hell else is there? Cooper Cup's on IR. Allen Robinson's, Robinson's on IR. 
The offensive line has been terrible all season. They've got nothing to work with. Aaron Donald's not playing. I feel like the Houston Texans would have been a better option. Because at least their their good players are healthy and playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's still no pressure. The team's one in ten and one or one nine and one. No pressure either. This is just I feel like the Rams claimed him, I'm gonna be honest, to get a comp- uh, compensatory pick. Because they've got absolutely no picks. Uh and maybe it maybe there is validity to what I said earlier about the Matthew Stafford injury, and they can also be looking at Baker Mayfield possibly uh as their long term answer down the road or just for next year. And I wanna in terms of the bus, John, the reason I said Alex Smith is a bus, not because he's a first round pick. He was the first overall pick. Number one. Like you're you're held to a higher standard when you're when you're number one over everybody else. You were picked number one. That's why I say he's a bust. So Baker's a bust at this current moment. Yes, but his career is still not over. Well, it's held to a higher standard. I don't think we're yes. ever see number one capabilities. I think that that ship has sailed. Maybe we can see a leader out of the guy and become a, a, a you know, a solid NFL quarterback. Anything can happen. That's the NFL. I'm sorry, but and number look, one, picks, I, I feel like that's an MVP kind of player, and that's what I'm Baker, saying. But yeah, I, I understand that. that. But well, we never got to see Baker get consistent. You know, you're right, and I don't think same thing with Alex. No matter what scenario we mean, see. he got the consistency in the early years. You're correct, John. In the early My years. God. Until Har- but then Harbaugh came in. That was consistency. Then he got traded, and it was consistent in Kansas City. He had Andy. Whoa, Andy- whoa, no, no, stop. Stop that. Stop that right now. Alex Smith got traded with Chiefs team that won two games the year before. With Romeo Cornell, they overhaul the entire coaching staff. And 2013, they win 11 games. They go with the first round. And yeah, what happened in that playoff game versus the Colts? They blew one of the most embarrassing leads of all time. But Alex Smith was not the only factor in that. So for the Kansas City Chiefs, they found themselves a high-level quarterback. And that, let's be honest, Alex Smith's career was robbed by a devastating injury. His story was still being written as well. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about these guys, maybe I operate with too much compassion. I've also met Alex Smith, and he's one of the best people you'll ever meet. An amazing guy. As a pure quarterback, he lived up, not to the, the, the billing of a number one guy, but he was a franchise quarterback. And you call him, you know, the prototypical game manager. For Alex, he had seasons where not only, like, think about this for a second. When he first got there, Travis Kelsey was not on the team. Tyreek Hill was still in college. He had Jamal Charles. But when you look at the receivers on those teams, Dwayne Bowe, Donnie Avery, Dexter McCluster, I mean, those were not household names by any stretch of the imagination. And so he was the one that really built the foundation of what is potentially a dynasty. Now, with Alex, oh, they come the on, playoffs in one season. Stop. Now you're going too far. Like, you're not Please. even bringing up the fact Andy Reid is – so Andy Reid gets no credit in that? So when did was Travis Andy Kelsey winning come without in? Alex? When did, when did Travis Kelsey come in? 2013, but he didn't play his rookie season, so it was 2014. Okay, so like he in. was there. And then when did uh, Tyree come in? 2015? 2016. Okay, so they're like right, like, like, come on, man. And then, 
and then you see you see the success that the the Chiefs had with Alex Smith, right? Then you see what happened when they got Patrick Mahomes. Well, I'm, they're they're oh. completely two. But that's what I'm saying. They upgraded, and that's not a slight on Alex Smith. He did his job, and he did his job to the best of his ability. He made the playoffs with a, good, a really good team. Well, he made the Chiefs a playoff team. But that Patrick right. Ma- Patrick Mahomes gives Alex Smith a lot of credit. He does. I'm not. I'm Whatever. not giving. I'm not disrespect. I'm trying not to disrespect. I'm just saying when you're the number one overall pick, you said Justin. You said yourself. You expect that guy to be an MVP. You're right. Sure. But, but that's Alex why Smith I don't... MVP caliber seasons. No, he didn't. He, I don't yeah, think he, he was ever in consideration for MVP. He was on the outside. Three-time that, Pro that, Bowler. Oh, three times? What is that? I mean, <laughs> he, had, he had seasons where 4,000 yards, led the NFL in quarterback rating and yards per completion. Lowest, like he was not throwing interceptions at all. He took care of the yes, football. He was a high I call level. him a game manager. He was a top 10 quarterback to me. And he was winning 10, 11, 12 games. I understand where you're coming from. Alex Smith was a disappointment to most NFL fans because it wasn't Aaron Rodgers. But hey, look, you can still be a really good quarterback. And the NFL, I don't think we give enough credit to this. Most first-round quarterbacks miss, Brandon. About 75, yes. 70, 66% yes. of them miss. And Alex Smith, was a he was a hit. Not only was he a starter, he was a franchise-caliber quarterback that won high-level games. In the postseason, the Chiefs didn't have the most success. Now you get Patrick Mahomes, who is an all-world talent, and we have sh- we have seen Patrick Mahomes is in the discussion of some of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, six years in. So for Alex Smith, it's hard to hold him to that standard because just about 99.8% of other quarterbacks in NFL history are 99.999% yes, but John, also fit that same bill. Alex John, Smith is a really good player. But John, I'm not, I'm not arguing he was a really good player. I'm giving him his credit. But I'm saying, if you just took him and put him, if you swapped Rodgers and, and Alex Smith in that draft, and he was taking 23 and Rodgers taking number one, I'd have no problem. I wouldn't call him a bust. I wouldn't. But he was number one. That's what you're not seeing, what I'm saying. It's because he was the number one overall pick. Yes, he was really good. And yes, a lot of quarterbacks don't hit in the first round. I'm the one who's been telling you that since we started. So... I, I yeah I, I I I'm not here trying to disparage Alex Smith. I imagine he is a great guy, John. I'll take your word for it. He seems like a very great guy. All right, but we're talking on the field. We're not talking about off the field. We're talking on the field. And when I call him a game manager, that's not really a slight. Like he was the top. He was probably 15, 14th best quarterback in the league. All right. And game manager really means a guy who he's not going to lose you the game, but he's not going to win you the game. And that Alex was Alex Smith built three teams. That went to the, huh? were gonna, Alex Smith turned three teams around that with him when he first got there were really but bad. Sean, you're and by not the time weak. he was done, they were playoff caliber teams. If he doesn't get hurt, the commanders, then of course the Washington, whatever, they're going to make the boss in his first year with them. With John, the 49ers, John, he was able to win them games at a high John, level. stop. You're not bringing up the fact of... Injuries. No. John Harbaugh and Andy Reid as well. Like... Jay Gruden. Okay, Washington. Like, you really thought they were going to make noise in the playoffs? You really believed that? 
No, but they were not a very good okay, football team. It, and Alex, it doesn't matter. Alex had them 5-1 and one before his injury, my man. I understand think that, but that they weren't doing anything in the playoffs, man. Come but on, let's be real. Since then, they built but, a very good team. And, like, Alex Smith, when they made the playoffs in 2020, who was their quarterback? It was him. So I think he doesn't get enough credit for winning games at a high level because he was a high-level mm-hmm. quarterback. His record in Washington was 11-5. and five. But so I thought wins weren't a quarterback stat. No, they're not. But so when you, you when you think about what he brought to the table, all the components of just a true franchise guy, he maximized the talents. And that, to me, made him a franchise guy because he was able to get the most out of the players around him. And when yeah. he had Tyree Kill and, Ty- and uh, Travis Kelsey, what do you know? They became all pro players. Now, yes, Patrick Mahomes, they've gotten better. Why? That's Patrick freaking Mahomes. We still got to give Alex Smith credit for laying that foundation for these. But John, wins are on quarterback stats, in your opinion. I'll be honest with you guys. I think we just need to change how we define a bust. Oh, we had this discussion. Let's not have it again. (laughs) I just, I just think we just need to change that because then this, this argument would be mute. Simple. He's he's not a bust. He he was a very good quarterback, and he lasted a long time. If it wasn't for a a devastating injury, he probably would have played two, three more years. Redskins would have had a lot more success oh. than they did have. What they were the Redskins at the time. But so I'm not, I'm not going to beat around the bush. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we changed that. He's a good quarterback, not a bust. Sure, he wasn't Peyton Manning. He wasn't Dustin Rodgers. I mean, I think if we if we have a list of the greatest number one overall picks and quarterbacks of all time. I, I, I feel like we should pull that up at some point and, and see where do we rank Alex Smith Justin, amongst number one overall Justin, quarterback. Can I ask you one simple question? Sure. Did Alex Smith live up to the number one overall pick? No, but how many people do? But I don't think that They're bust too! They're bust too! So if he fell to number seven, that's still top there's, 10. Brandon, you do recognize there's a middle ground here, right? Like, yes. You can be a disappointment. That doesn't make you uh, that, unnecessarily a bust. I feel that is literally, I'm almost, that's literally the definition of a bust. If you don't no, live up a, to a the height. Bu- a bust is Baker Mayfield, someone that is completely flames out. A disappointment is somebody that doesn't live up to the. Oh, you mean like potential. Alex Smith, the first four years of his career? I'm talking a Javanian clowny. Yeah. That's oh, but why, but why the first Clowney's a bust why, now. Time out, time out, time out. Why the first four years of his career? And so he's a bust. That means you can call Baker Mayfield a bust because you were just straight I'm just, up. Telling I'm me. taking a shot because he's he's taking oh, okay. a shot at Baker. Right. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going. He's okay. still a bust at the end of the day. I'm just Google, I'm just taking a shot at John because he was taking a shot at Baker. So Baker must be a bust. Yeah, I, think right, I said, uh, J- Justin, I literally said when you asked me that earlier, I said, at this current point, yes, you can say that, but. Like John said, the story's still being written. Are the odds not in his favor? 100%. I can't argue that. All right. But here's the history. Happened. Here's the history of first overall picks that play the quarterback position since 19. We'll go 1983. So about 50 years. John Elway. Not a bust. Not you guys want to rank this while I'm compiling them so you guys have an order? No, let's just go not a bust because that's way too hard to remember. Well, I can remember it. John Elway in 1983. Vinny Testaverde in 1987. Bust. Yeah. Kind of like the Sam Bradford here, a little bit better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next one up, Troy Aikman in 1989. Not a bust. Not a bust. 
Right now he's number two. Jeff George by the Colts in 1990. Lost. Yeah. I think, think we could... Uh... Be honest, never heard of that guy in my life, so he's got to be a bust. <laughs> Next one up, Drew Bledsoe in 1993. Not a bust. At one point, he was the highest paid court. He got the, he the did, highest he did paid make it, contract. He did, yeah. he did make it to the Super Bowl. Won the Manasseh That's on the line. That's after. on the line. That's on the line for me. That's on the line. He's not a bust. No, he's not a bust. 1998 at Tennessee. This guy was drafted by the Colts. You guys might know him. Big forehead. Kind of. Like he's number two. one. Peyton Manning. Yeah. yeah. Okay, not a bust, obviously. Number this one's two. pretty good too. Cleveland Browns, 1999 out of Kentucky. Can you guys guess it? Oh, um. He's got an, he's got a funny last name, right? Furniture. Funny. Yeah. Ki- uh, um. Tim Couch. Oh. Couch. Yes, there it is. There. I kept thinking of kitchen. I don't know why. <laughs> Freddy Kitchens. Yeah. So Freddy he's a bust. Yeah. Two thousand one. Michael Vick. No. Not a bust. David well, Carr. Two thousand two. Who? David Carr. Bust. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, bust. Two thousand and three. Carson Palmer. Not a bust. Mm-mm. I wouldn't say so. I feel like he's kind of in the Drew Bledsoe camp where unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, that's, a get into. that's a borderline. Alex Smith, or sorry, Eli Manning, 2004. Not a bust. Yeah, you can't say he's a bust. 2005, Alex Smith. Not a bust at all. Not even close. Not a bust. Franchise quarterback is what Alex Smith is. Mm-hmm. Leader. Maximize his talent. That's what he is. Say it, Brand. Where are you going? Stamp it. I've already said it. Disappointed in you. 2007, Marcus <laughs> Russell. Bust. 2009, Matthew Stafford. Not a bust. Not a bust. 2010, Sam Bradford. Bust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2011, Cam Newton. Mm. Not a bust. He won Not a bust. He went to the Super Bowl. 2012, Andrew Luck. Not a bust. Not a bust. 2015 at Florida State, Seamus Winston. Bust. That's a bust. I hate well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say bust because he's he's a starting caliber quarterback. He's, in not, the league. he's not a starting caliber not. quarterback, Justin. You don't think so? Not he's, like a bottom, no. he's like a bottom seven starting caliber quarterback. He's in the tier of guys where you've given them so many opportunities and they've disappointed you so many times. Yeah. And, okay, yeah. And it makes Who would you rather have, Brandon? Alex Smith or Jameis Winston? Alex Smith, obviously, Justin. That's not saying a lot. <laughs> he's in that camp of guys where he's just such an uninteresting backup at this point. He's a fun Who's character. Next? Jared Goff? No. No? Yeah, Jared Goff, sorry. 2016. Yeah. Bust. Hate to say it. Hate to say it. It's a bust. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl. So what? And look at the year he's putting so up. Trent he's having a very good season. You have to give no. That's Jared Goff and his peak brand as a top 10 quarterback here. Uh, he was producing at a high level, and he was one that was getting the most out okay, of the let's round. Okay, let's go on. So he's a bust. Let's go. So disrespectful. He's having a very he's good sick. season right now in Detroit. He's going to line up to chance where next year, or in this upcoming draft in 2023, they can go <laughs> defensive front, and then the following year quarterback. I, I guess this is, this is a better question. Jared Goff or Alex Smith, Brandon? Alex Smith. Okay, next. 
2018, Baker Mayfield. All right. Bust. This current moment, bust. Yep. 2019, Kyler Murray. Can't say yet. It's way too early, and he's like – No, he hasn't lived up to number 14. one expectations. He hasn't, Brent. He hasn't, but like, how many years has he been in the league? Three? Four. Four. Year four for him. Four freaking years. I mean, he's number – I don't think he's going to live up to it. So, if you want me to project, then, yes, he's going to be a bust, in my opinion. He's a complete quarterback, too. That's, that's, that's pushing it. 2021 – or, sorry, 2020, Joe Burrow. No. Not a bust. Joe Cool, baby. Joey Cool is uh, a top three quarterback right now. In 2021, Trevor Lawrence. We we can't say right Too now. soon to tell. Yeah. He's not a bust. I mean, he's already in top 12 oh, yeah. quarterback. You can project it, yeah. And he's a, he's a budding star. That's what he is currently. So we went through that list of guys, right? And since 2000s, Tim Couch, David Carr, Jamarcus Russell, Sam Bradford, and Jared Goff. Those five guys. Oh, and James Winston, of course. Those six, those are busts. Now, in that time frame, in the last 22 years, 16 quarterbacks have taken number one, huh? So about 10 out, 10 out of them, to me, were high-level starters at the very least. Jared Goff, Andrew Luck. No, not Andrew Luck. Jared Goff, Michael Vick, Eli Manning, Carson Palmer, and Alex Smith all being included in that mix. So in my opinion, you know, some of those guys are disappointing, but they're franchise guys, and that to me makes them uh, surely worthy number one overall selections. Now, mm-hmm. moving on to our next topic. Pick them. Yeah, let's move on to pick them. We won't talk anymore about Baker Mayfield. There's not much more to discuss here. Well, this we're game, actually going to be talking about Baker in a second. Unfortunately. First game. Yes, yeah. yeah. Tonight at 8.30 on Amazon Prime, Good the Los point. Angeles Rams. No Baker Mayfield odds are in this matchup, right, Bram? He's not playing? Uh, actually, he might be playing. He might be. I'm not even kidding. They actually they, – they apparently FedExed him – the playbook, so he can learn it over the flight, and there's a chance he's going to be active for the game. Not the best case scenario because he literally just got signed, but they might throw him to the wolves. The Raiders are six and a half point favorites. I think they should be favorites by more, and this to me is an easy game. They're going to cover this one for sure, and it's at eight fifteen, not eight thirty. But we all know it, and starts later than eight fifteen. I'm taking the Las Vegas Raiders. I am taking the Raiders. They are hot. Make it three in a row. Tic-tac-toe. Give me an X, give me an O. Next game up, the Battle of Ohio. The Cleveland Browns going to Cincinnati. O-H! Yeah. This is Deshaun, the Predator, Watson. Uh, I think it's a funny nickname. Going up against Joey Cool. And this to me, with the Bengals being six-point favorites... Look, Deshaun didn't look good in his debut, and the reason why is because he's been out for so long in a new offense with a new coach and a new team. It's going to take some time for these Cleveland Browns, and I've got the Bengals just rolling through them at home. So, one thing we should note, I don't know if you guys know this. So, like Joe Burrow owns Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow has not been able to beat the Cleveland Browns in his career. He is 0-3. I'm still taking Cincinnati this week, but it could get dicey. I thought I'm disappointed in Brandon. I thought he was leaning my way towards the dark side of always rolling with the upsets, but I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to roll with the Cleveland Browns. I think Deshaun Watson looks a lot better this week. 
Uh, I think Cincinnati's riding so high right now. I think they just need a little punch in the mouth. And who better to give it to them than Nick Chubb? That's true. Well, who better to give that Browns defense a smack in the mouth than Joe Mixon coming back with Samaji mm-hmm. Piran? Talking about those stiff arms, Justin, that Browns defense is an absolute joke this year. And uh, Dan Hurst and Walking Boot probably won't play. Taven Njoku seems like he will. And Denzel Ward is also battling an illness and ankle injury. But look, Bren, history is going to change this week. And Joe Burrow is going to show exactly why he's a franchise quarterback and also a top three quarterback in the NFL right now. Now, with that being said, it's a little bit funny to me how the Chiefs, right, they can't beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And yet the Browns seem to have their number. This is how the NFL works. Those weird quirks. Now, next game up, the Texans, the Battle of Texas versus the Dallas Cowboys. The Texans come to this game are 110 and 1. The Cowboys are 9 and 3. I know, 16 and a half point favorites. Now, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Texans. Davis Mills gets benched. Damian Pierce can't run the football too well. And ultimately, it, we all know, I think Lovey Smith after the season, potentially like David Coley, could be moved on from, which sounds ridiculous, but as is the Texans franchise. There's not really too much to discuss in the Texans front. They're focused on Bryce Young. He's probably already looking for houses in Houston. And with that being said, I have the Cowboys winning by a lot. Do you think they cover? (laughs) I wouldn't put my money on it because I feel like the Texans will keep this game as best as they possibly can, low scoring by running the football and turning the clocks. And now, but... The Colts game was close until they freaking blew them out in the fourth quarter. Uh, But like John, I wouldn't bet on them covering, but I think it's actually a pretty good likelihood that they do cover, but I just wouldn't put my money on it. Uh, I'm taking Dallas, obviously. I I expect a blowout, if I'm going to be honest. I I think maybe they can keep it close for a quarter, quarter and a half, but once if Dallas starts running the ball effectively, Dak starts throwing a CD, starts going off, they get up by like two touchdowns, and now the Texans have to start passing the ball a lot more. Micah and Trayvon Diggs and Demarcus Lawrence, they're all just going to feast. I think uh, we're all picking Dallas here. I'm picking Dallas, but uh, the real pick should be whether or not Dallas is going to drop a 40-piece on this team or not. I think it's it'll get 34, Justin. 34? I think they're, they're going to blow them out. I I do think they're going to blow I them out. I think they cover. Negative Nancy over here. Mr. I hate the Houston Texans. Now, this is important to note. Guys, for the Dallas Cowboys, an important player has gone back this week. Tyron Smith is back after not playing since August 24th with a hamstring tendon injury. Now his teammate is a uh, another Hall of Fame left tackle and Jason Peters. Also, James Washington, who has been out since August with a foot injury, a broken foot, is returning as well for the Cowboys. He's a really good receiver to have as your third or fourth guy. And I think for Dallas, getting them back at this point in the season is pretty nice. Yeah. Next game up, the battle of the NFC North. Maybe the two best teams in the division. I don't know if I got that far. The Minnesota Vikings traveling to Detroit. TJ Atkinson returning against his old team. The Lions are two-point favorites. Hmm. Now, it's important to note the Lions ran all over the Jaguars last week. And it's pretty clear to me, after seeing what they were able to do against Buffalo on Thanksgiving, this Lions team is legit. They may be 5-7, and seven, but Jared Goss playing some of his best football. Jamal Williams this year has had a season much like James Conner last year. New team, well, it's actually second year at the Lions, turning together 14 touchdowns. And with Mon Ross St. Brown, they have more than enough weapons Give me Minnesota in this game. They will surely cover. 
with a, a two-point deficit. You know what? I think this is my pick of the week. Minnesota on the road, defeating Jared Goff and Cal. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I'm picking Minnesota, but we got to bring this up, right? Kirk Cousins has really been the sole reason of this team not being better than they could be. That's not true. You want to bet? Because I just looked up the thing. Dude, his completion percentage is down two points. Oh, 1,200 of it's his... not the issue in Minnesota. There's multiple factors. Their interior Bro. offensive line is squishy. The defense this year has been inconsistent. He's Listen, he's not playing well at all. He's got a 51 QB that's 21st in the NFL. He's got 18 touchdowns and nine interceptions. 1,200 of his 2,900 and something yards are to Justin Jefferson. Mm. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, he needs to play better. And if you don't believe that, John, then I think you need to start looking at Kirk Cousins a little bit more because this is not good. Nine interceptions? That He had seven last year, John. That's not seven good. interceptions is uh, pretty solid for a starting It is, but that's last. He's got nine this year in the season. We still got five games left. So you're stacking up Kirk Cousins' play this year to the last season where he's in a new offense with an offensive line that is um, not you good. Kevin O'Connell is, is – I don't know. Kevin I'm just O'Connell saying, listen, John. So you don't think – okay. It's his first year as a head coach. So you don't think Kirk Cousins needs to play better? He can play better, but the issues in Minnesota, I think, start at the offensive line on the interior, not Kirk Cousins. Okay. All right. Like I said, I'm taking Minnesota still. So. Brian O'Neill and Christian Darrison. Darrison's been hurt the last couple of weeks. That's a really good tackle combination, but the interior's bad. So that doesn't All help I'm saying there. is I, I think Kirk Cousins needs to play better, but I'm still taking Minnesota this week. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, honestly, I... I... I roll with Brandon there because Minnesota has been escaping games by the skin of their teeth when they should be winning uh, handedly that game against the jets. They should have lost the game against new England. They should have lost. Uh, this is a team that albeit they're 10 and two, they probably shouldn't be. And the two top dogs in the NFC, the Cowboys and the Eagles ran right through this team, smacked them right in the mouth. So I think we know what Minnesota is. And I think Detroit shows us, I think it's, this will be the coming out party of my boy Jamison Williams. I think Detroit wins one at home. Mm, I like that one. Next game up, yeah, Jamison Williams. Let's see how he looks. Jaguars traveling to Tennessee. It's important to note these divisional games are usually when Derrick Henry goes off for 150 yards or more, right? Against the Texans, against the Jags. These are his coming out parties. So the Titans are four-point favorites at home at 1 o'clock. And this, to me, is a strange mashup because we've seen some of the highs this year at Jacksonville. And this team is starting to come together. Christian Kirk is number two. Zay Jones as the next. Defensively, Trayvon Walker developing. Devin Lloyd has really struggled as of late. Like, he got benched, and he was the defensive player of the year front runner for through, like, three weeks. He's been arguably the worst first-round draft pick since. For the Jaguars... I think they're going to take another L against my Titans. And now this is what leads me to a topic Brandon did not want to discuss. And that's the Titans firing John Robinson, their general manager after seven seasons with the team. With Robinson, he came in right after they drafted Mariota. Um, They had nothing but winning seasons. And look, John Robinson perennially missed in the first round. I'm going to pull up his first round draft pick history. The Titans are one of those weird teams where they hit on all the hard ones and they miss on the easy ones. 
since he came in, the first round draft picks he has made are as follows. Jack Conklin, 2016, now is a hit. 2017, Corey Davis and Adore Jackson. Davis was a miss. Jackson, a hit. 2018, Rashawn Evans, inside linebacker, now in the Falcons. You know, Evans had some good years with the team. He currently leads the NFL in tackles, but that wasn't exactly the ideal pick take out linebacker at 22. 2019, Jeffrey Simmons, slam dunk. Maybe the best defensive tackle in football after Quentin Williams. 2020, Isaiah Wilson, who to kind of, uh, how do I say it? Isaiah Wilson played um, three snaps with the Titans, and uh, I think now he's pursuing a rap career. And that was a uh, first-round pick. 2021, Caleb Farley, Caleb Farley, cornerback out of Virginia Tech, who has uh, looked like a bust so far. And then in 2022, he traded A.J. Brown for Traylon Burks. Burks seems like he's going to be a good player, but is he going to be a top-five receiver in football? Probably not. So by John Robinson, those last three first-round picks, this really gave him a hard time. But in the second round, this guy's gone Christian Fulton, who's been a really good cornerback, A.J. Brown, Harold Landry, and of course, Derrick Henry. Right? Yeah, I think I think his first draft was with Henry. So, for the Titans, this was very simple. Mike Vrabel was pissed when they traded A.J. Brown. And ultimately, A.J. Brown didn't want to be there. And so, for their general manager to be fired after losing to the Eagles, it was very clear to me they um, had something behind the scenes where Vrabel, he won. He's a top-five coach, and deservedly so. The GM is now gone for Tennessee. And uh, this week, they're a 7-5 team, but I think they're going to get their eighth win of the season at home. Recap. Uh, pick the game. Um, no, I got Tennessee. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got Tennessee. Um, I think that they get back on track this game. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think their their defense is is gonna. I, I just think the Tennessee Titans are gonna step it up this year. I mean, they they lost a a bad game last week, and so I see them stepping it back up this week and beating the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, there's two teams that need to step up here. Part of me, my heart wants to pick Jacksonville, but then my mind is also telling me, roll with the Titans. Uh, stop dissing Mike Vrabel and the boys. So I'm going to roll with the Titans. I think Derrick Henry has a big game. It should be a close one, though. Titans, like the Vikings, find ways to win close. Another team that wins close often, but has um, not won a game in the last month, is the New York football Giants. They're playing the Eagles for the first time this season, where they are a seven-point underdog at home. I said this a few weeks ago. The Giants, they're missing the playoffs. And ultimately, it's because of the injuries, no dynamicism at receiver, and defenses slowing down Saquon Barkley. Defensively, they've maximized their talent, but this just isn't a good roster at all. And for Brian Dable, he's won a lot of close games this year. I think this is yet another loss to the Giants, where the Eagles start off the season 12-1, and and um, you can make a case they don't lose a game for the rest of the season. This is again weird. Why don't you two have to talk? Um, I want to take this time to apologize to Justin's cousin, EJ. <laughs> um, listen, I, 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 I think I said like a week or two ago, that I projected the Eagles to lose three games uh, this season, or two more games for the uh, uh, to end the season. The, the 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 one loss is to Dallas. I believe they're losing that game on Christmas Eve. 
So another game's got to come. It's a divisional game. It's in New York. Yes, the Giants haven't looked good. But again, it's a divisional game and anything can happen. I'm taking the New York football Giants. That boy. To beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Is there a reason why you're just you can't excited here? Did you not just hear what I said? It's a divisional game. Anything can happen. Is that not a fact? Have how, we not seen Giants, a- how do the Giants score more points than the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday? What is the pathway? Uh, play good defense. Play inspired. AJ Brown? Huh? Who is going to guard AJ Brown? I don't know, John. I'm saying, have we? So, John, have we not seen worse teams than the Giants beat good teams that are in the same division? Yes. Like, that's never happened. That's never happened have in, the, in NFL injury, history. Have you seen injury ravaged defenses shut down explosive offenses with deep, versatile defenses that are probably going to? Pretty shut sure down it's them. happened. I'm almost. It's pretty sure it's happened before. Few and far. I don't between. know off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it's happened. Probably Few and far between. Yeah, well, they, you probably wouldn't have thought that Tom Brady would come back with five minutes less than the, left in the game, down thirteen points. But then what happened? That's <laughs> playing Dennis Allen and the Saints. So they had a lead, did they not? Cool. All he had to get was one yard. Mark Ingram and the toilet bowl over there. Yeah. What happened? So that's what I'm saying. Anything can happen. Like anything can happen. I, I don't think I'm crazy here. You were the no, one saying Daniel Jones was a franchise guy. Now it's. Oh, Daniel Jones can't win a game. Get out of here, dude. Vanilla Vec can't can't go off for 113 yards with two tubs. I, I I'm gonna shout out our boy, and we're gonna talk some big blue. Shout out to JQ. I'm gonna roll with the Giants. What is wrong with you guys? I, I, I'm How could you watch the Giants, the Giants over the last month and think this team's gonna beat the Eagles? Because they're playing tough. First off, the game against the Cowboys. At the end of the first half, you thought the Giants had a chance. Giants were in it. They had a chance. They played tough football. They're a motivated football team. It's a divisional game. They just lost one to Dallas. They finished in a tie with Washington. Now I think they flip it around and they get a W. Uh, I think it, it won't be it won't come easy, but I, I still remember Jalen Hurts against the Giants just last year, and they had him in shambles. It, it they wasn't looking too smooth and granted this is a different Jalen Hurts than what it was last year but much different but so is this Giants team not really with all the injuries so much different than they were last year in terms of James Bradbury's gone and Dory Jack who's the coach on the sideline Bayballs. do you do you think those players like playing for him hell yeah. yeah hell yeah so I think they go out there in the Meadowlands I think they're motivated I think this will be a tight game it won't be a high scoring one I think the Giants win. Why? Because they get good field position. I think the defense does their job, puts Daniel Jones in position to either get the football in the end zone or kick it through the uprights. Something's going to happen. I think the G-men win this one. Vanilla Vic should have a crazy day, eh? He could. Hey, man. Saquon could have big days. They put 20 points on the Dallas Cowboys defense two weeks ago. That defense has its deficiencies. This Eagles defense is So the Eagles do too. They have a better defense than the Cowboys and some. And so I think they're more versatile. I feel like the Cowboys are too reliant on Micah Parsons. Okay. That secondary that Eagles have is, is, is so special. So didn't uh, the Washington Commanders with Taylor Heineke beat the um, Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah. How'd that happen? 
Teams had their off days, man. They That's what I'm saying then. Thank you. Let's move on. Next game up, my Pittsburgh Steelers at 1 o'clock. CBS, hopefully Tony Romo is doing the game. I eh, will you, who knows? Nah, hopefully not, dude. Two-point favorites for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lamar Jackson has not practiced this week, and odds are will not play. And look, man, this Ravens team, we talked about them on Tuesday, or on Monday night, excuse me, on Tuesday's episode. They're in shambles. And to me, it's straightforward. The Steelers are playing really good football. They've won three of the last four. The Ravens have a number of starters not playing and resting in practice. I think for Pittsburgh, the same way they did at this time last year, at Akershore Stadium, they get the W. They move to 6-7. and seven. Najee Harris, who hasn't practiced this week, has a strong day, and Kenny Pickett continues to step, take steps forward. And will Kenny Pickett have an interception, I think, for a fifth straight week? The answer will be no. So, watch how I do this, Justin. Watch me whip. Now watch me in and I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow, no reaction from John. No reaction. I mean, Lamar Jackson's got springed in. Wow, nah, I'm disappointed. You know what? That reaction right there makes me want to change my pick. They beat the Ravens in four straight games. No, no, because now you get hyped. Now you get hyped. Where was that energy five seconds ago? The Steelers are going to beat the Ravens. They're a bad Let's go, baby. Let's go. When their fifth straight game versus them. What are we doing here? Where's the terrible towel, John? Right here. That's where it is. No, nah, but I got the uh, – I I literally just changed my pick while John was talking because I remembered that Lamar Jackson is not going to be playing. So I'm like, you know what? Steelers have been playing good football. Uh, I saw Mike Tomlin in his press conference saying in December football, it's really, you know, either nut up or shut up. And he's all about, uh, for lack of a better term, nutting up. <laughs> hey man, yo, bring out that terrible towel one more time. One more Let's time. Let's go sweep him. I'm picking They're saying the Lamar Jackson Ravens. can play. It's BS. He's not playing. I'm versus. picking He's the Baltimore playing. Ravens. You going Ravens? Oh, I'm F- going Ravens. F- I, just, I just wanted Don't John to wave the towel. Yeah. And versus. Yeah, no, get out of here. Next game up, the Denver Broncos this <laughs> not, year. Not even giving me a chance to. Nah, get out of here. That's messed up. You ruined the whole energy here, man. <laughs> John, you missed one right. one o'clock game before you move on to four. Jets Bills. Oh, that's a big that's a big game in Buffalo. It is. I skipped it. We'll go to that. The Buffalo Bills are hosting the New York Football Jets, the New Jersey Football Jets. They are a nine and a half point favorite. This Jets team, one and one with Mike White the last two weeks, two three hundred yard games. Look. The Jets got better with Mike White. He's a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. And as my buddy Joel Dell said on the Pickside podcast, they got so much better that there's no way this team could lose out to finish the season. And it, it was a pretty funny clip of him just going crazy on my buddy Drew, who asked him, could the Jets lose out? And he goes, are we watching the same effing team? So the Jets, they're 7-5. and five. I think this week they move to 7-6. and six. The Bills are a better football team. They're getting some key players back on the defensive fronts. But Von Miller, what's going on, Brandon? Uh, he had a uh, surgery to repair his ACL, so he is out for the season. So now they have lost one of their best safeties in Micah Hyde earlier this season, and now their best pass rusher in Von Miller. Not looking good for the Bills being the favorites for the Super Bowl this year. Um, but all in all, I'm still taking the Buffalo Bills this week. I still think they have a better uh, team. I think they're going to avenge that loss that they had a couple weeks ago against the Jets. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. And uh, in in terms of that losing out for the Jets, I think they can win a game. But I really see them losing possibly four out of their next five. I, I gotta be honest. I good. What's that slit look like? It's well, we got the Bills this week. That's a loss. Then you go. Then you got the Lions in New York next week. Lions still play good. John likes the Lions a lot. Uh, you got the Jags the week after that in New York again. Jags can beat a team. I mean, they just beat the Ravens a couple weeks ago. You got the Seahawks. They're still seven and five fighting. Everybody's talking how Geno Smith was an MVP candidate like three or four weeks ago. That's in Seattle too. And then you end the season in Miami. Tough slate. That's a tough slate. I do think Very they can win one. I think they could win one, uh, either the uh, Jags or Lions game. But they're losing the Seahawks, they're losing the Dolphins, they're losing to the Bills. That that I 100% believe. With Kenneth Walker's injury, that Seahawks team is very beatable. Yeah, they're I ravaged at running back. They haven't run the football well. I think oh. the Jets beat the Seahawks. All right. Yeah. That's still in a couple weeks, so we still oh, yeah. got things to see. Justin, who you got? Bills or Bills Jets? You know I'm rolling with Buffalo. I mean, they've taken some injuries. You already mentioned Micah Hyatt earlier in the season, and now Von Miller completely done for the rest of the way. That's a big blow to an AFC favorite, but... They're still going up against the Jets. This one at home, they lost on, They lost in the Meadowlands. I think they take care of business. It's supposed to be rain in the forecast, and I don't think Mike White or anybody on the Jets wants to be going up against Josh Allen, who's going to run all over the Jets, I feel like. Money in that rainy. Yeah, so I'm going to roll with uh, – what's the line for that one? It's a great question. The Bills are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Okay. Oh, I think that, that's pretty high. It is. Yeah. I feel like the Jets will play them tough, but I, I still give Buffalo the uh, the edge. Speaking mm-hmm. of bad football, the Denver Broncos are playing the Chiefs Disgusting. at home for the first time this season. Disgusting is a great adjective to use here. I want to have a segment, whether it's on today or the next episode, where we discuss teams in no man's land. Surely the Broncos will be toward the top of that list. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, they've dealt with a lot of injuries recently, uh, particularly in the offensive end. The tackles have not played well, but mm-hmm. Russell Wilson looks um, he looks like one of the worst starting quarterbacks in football. And this Broncos offense has been so bad this year. It has completely wasted the top three defense. And you know what, guys? This is my issue with the Broncos. A lot of Bronco fans love George Patton because he drafted Patrick Sertain with a top 10 pick, number eight overall, in 2021. And guess what? That was a terrible pick. Patrick Sertain's a top three cornerback in football. And guess what? The Broncos have three wins. The Broncos passed on Justin Fields and Mac Jones for a cornerback. When they desperately needed a quarterback, and the following offseason, what they did was traded two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a very good D-tackle in Shelby Harris, a very solid, young, budding star, potentially a tight end in George and an fan, and get this, gave $250 million to Russell Wilson. That contract is just kicking in next season. The Broncos are in the middle of nowhere, because they took a cornerback over a quarterback that now in Chicago is showing all of the signs of a budding star that changes a franchise and turns it around. The Broncos right now could still have a good defense without certain and a promising offense that doesn't have Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach because after just mere hours after Aaron Rodgers said he was staying in Green Bay, they traded for Russell Wilson. This franchise was so hell-bent on finding the next Peyton Manning, they tripped, and they realized, hey, look, we can't copy ourselves. And um, 
they're a mess, they're a joke. And the Patrick Sertain pick is another example of um, what positions matter in football. And uh, it's quarterback, 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 then edge rusher, and then not cornerback. That would probably be like the fifth thing on the list. Um, so that kind of annoyed me when I kind of, you know, I read an article, it was great. And it's like, what are we doing here? Taking a corner over a quarterback. Phil ran your lap, but he couldn't even get that right. They tried. I, they, go ahead, Justin. No, what's up, Brandon? They tried to tr- strike lightning in a bottle twice, and it, that, that doesn't happen very much. Uh, yeah, I've tried. I've defended. I defended Russell Wilson in the early parts of the season, but at this point, we've seen a lot of his football, and it really. Do- I I don't understand what's going on with Russ. Like, I mean, you can say I guess the mobility is gone, but he still is able to throw the hell out of that football. Like those pa- passes he made were beautiful. Like, they were really beautiful, tight spirals, accurate. I, it re- I hate saying this, but those memes, of it, it says, like, I forgot how to play football. It, I, it looks like it. it. It really, it's like, what the hell is going on, Russ? You want to the issue, Brandon. He hasn't adjusted to a new system that's not yeah, built man. around him. And the Daniel Hackett has made that so much worse. Just all things considered, he's not a real head coach. And so this is Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, basically Russell Westbrook at his worst. I'm taking, I, I am, oh, you forgot to put, I'm pretty sure you're probably taking Kansas City. Uh, I'm taking Kansas City, though. I do think the defense might be able to cause some problems early. Uh, it might be a closer game than people expect because of that defense, but I expect the Chiefs to be able to figure it out towards the end of the game. I, I think, uh, you know, John, you went on your uh, tangent about the Broncos and their drafts problems. Um I'd say their biggest problem wasn't so much about drafting Patrick Sertain. I think the problem was assuming that they had a Super Bowl roster and were just a quarterback away. I think that that's just poor assessment because there's no way that you have a Super Bowl roster and then you acquire an all-pro QB and you go three and nine. So maybe both the quarterback was a bad fit and your roster just wasn't ready for that next step. So I I, I think it was just a a poor assessment. With that being said, uh, I'm going to roll with Kansas City. And then the question remains, is Russell Wilson going to throw for more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his house? So I think he has 12 or 13 bathrooms in his new home and eight or nine passing touchdowns on the season. So that's good. I'm sure Bronco fans are relieved to know he's highly compensated. Well, Justin, (laughs) Justin, I mean, you know, you know what they say when you assume, right? What do they say? He makes an ass out of you and me. So, (laughs) Next game up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going game. to San Francisco. 425 Fox, three-and-a-half-point favorites in San Francisco's favor. San Fran's favor. John's up saying the entire city's name. Brock Purdy, Brandon, plays the GOATs on Sunday. And what a story it would be after the Buccaneers awesome come from behind when moving to 6-6 six and six in the season and for these 49ers to show you exactly why they're still a top two team in the NFC over the Dallas Cowboys, right up there in that first tier with the Eagles. Brock Purdy sees the middle of the field. He fits in this offense, and he's a player. He's a competitor. And I think after spending training camp, OTAs, preseason, 12 weeks with this team, he's understanding the offense. And as this year goes on, we're going to see the 49ers may strike lightning in a bottle in 2022. So you're picking San Fran. Course. W. I mean W. Where am I going? Where's my faith? My faith is in that sixth round pick, number 199. 
You remember that guy? The guy that couldn't even win his starting job in college? The guy who was a fourth-string quarterback in his rookie year? That guy. I'm taking that guy. Tom Brady. Listen, I was going to pick the, the, the Bucks to beat them if Jimmy was starting. That's not changing because now Brock Purdy is starting. I'm still taking, uh, picking Tampa Bay. Even I think it's going to be no close. No Tristan Wirfs, but uh, Sean Murphy Button should be back. Mike Edwards should be back. Antoine Winfield should be back. Is he? Yeah, they're all questionable. They missed uh, Monday's game, but they should be back this week with another week off. I expect the Bucks to be able to pull out a win here. It's a tall task going into San Francisco, but they do have the quarterback edge. Um, this one was the toughest one for me. So when for weeks now, I've been telling you guys San Francisco is going to win out. And my one reservation that I've always had in my mind, didn't voice it on the show, was this one game right here. This game on the schedule. Because Tom Brady's on the other side of the field. And now I have even more reservations because of who's playing quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. But with that being said, uh, Tampa still hasn't impressed me. Granted, they, they had that big win on Monday. They were also this close to losing. Um, I think San Francisco is still the better team. And I think uh, I think San Francisco is going to pull out the win. I'm going to stick with my gun saying San Francisco is going to win out. I think Brock Purdy another week, a full week of practicing with the ones would do him some good. He's uh, I'm going to roll with the Niners. Justin, Keep him. <laughs> Next Keep game up, the Carolina Panthers. Sorry, Brandon. The four and eight Panthers going to Seattle, where they're a three and a half point underdog. The Seahawks have been absolutely ravaged by injuries in recent weeks. You lose Chris Carson coming into the season. Rashad Penny then has a leg injury. He has not played since the first month of the year. And now Kenneth Walker, fellas. He was my offensive rookie of the year a few weeks ago. And uh, he's not playing in this game. At least we don't expect him to. He's basically doubtful. Um, with an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain. There's no reason to play him. Dude, this Seahawks team, for one last second, go to the NFC Championship game a month ago. They have a very good, very good draft pick going from Denver. Believe me when I tell you that. Top top seven pick. But with that being said, this team has just dealt with too many injuries, much like the Giants. I think this is going to be a real close game. And with all that being said, I still have them winning and covering. Can't hear you, Brandon. Still four times. <laughs> No, I have Seattle winning. It's in uh, it's in Seattle. They got the twelfth man on their side. Uh, Carolina is still a dumpster fire, even if Seattle's dealing with a lot of injuries. They still have a better team, so give me Seattle. Hey, Gino's still throwing the hell out of that football. Uh, I'm gonna give Seattle the edge. DK big game. Tyler Lockett big game. Big play, DK. Next game up, Miami traveling to. Los Angeles, Sunday night football. The social media quarterback is taking on the real MVP in Tuatunga Vailoa. Oh, man, Wacko. So for this game, it's going to be an offensive affair. I think this could, this could be the high-scoring game of the week. Chargers offense, they get Keenan Allen back. And with Austin Eckler, and most notably Justin Herbert, they are high-powered. And for the Miami Dolphins, coming off a rough loss for the San Francisco 49ers, this is the second game on a three-game road trip. This is a close one. And with um, especially no I left tackle Teron Armstead, I would tilt 
in Los Angeles' favor just because that Dolphins offensive line is abysmal without their two starting tackles. We saw that last week. And an important thing to monitor in this game is how Jalen Waddle looks, who tried playing last week. He did not look 100%. The Chargers are a 6-6 six and six football team. The Dolphins mm-hmm. are 8-4. And, and the AFC East, dude, you got the Jets right on your heels. The Patriots, if you slip up, can take your spot. And most notably, the Bills feel like a team to beat. The Dolphins have to win this game. You can't move to 0-5 at this point in the season. They don't run the football particularly well. I am going to go with the Chargers, upsetting them as a three-point underdog at home. Yeah, give me give me the Chargers. Well, so I said a couple weeks ago they were going to lose three straight Miami. And this is one of them. It's in L.A. Now, I was predicting when I said they were going to uh, – I said this like a couple weeks ago that hopefully Joey Bosa would be back. He's not going to be back. But like John said, Teron, Teron Armstead is out. Khalil Mack is still on that uh, edge for the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers. I think, again, I think, like John, I think it can be a very high-scoring game. So I'm going to take the Chargers. Hopefully Mike Williams plays. Uh, yeah, give me uh, L.A. I, I hear all your points, and I'm still rolling with Miami. I think they go in there. I think they just had a rough one against San Francisco. We spoke about it last week. It was just a product of they're going against the best defense in football. Tua still, while his worst game of the season, I said, if that's his bad game, then I think Miami's still in a good spot. So I'm going to roll with Miami this week. Now, Tua also did benefit in that game from a 70-yard catch and run by Trent Shurfield. With that yeah, being but he said, also had a 50-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. But you can't With play. that. So With that matter. being said, Tom Brady this week should learn about Nick Bosa, who sat on practice in the 49ers defense. Now, in this game, Brand talked about it. Mike Williams limited with an ankle injury, and Teron Armstead has not been rolled out yet, Brand. So don't, don't don't push that too fast. This Dolphins offensive line needs him. He's too important and too paid. He's paid too much to miss this game with a pectoral strain. Next game up, last game. What a snooze fest. The Patriots going to Arizona to play Kyler Murray. A one-and-a-half-point underdog. Sorry, one-and-a-half-point favorite the Patriots are on the road at ESPN. We've talked about the Cardinals a lot in recent weeks. In the NFL, we see a lot of teams trying to be innovative, and speed's been a big part of that. The Cardinals have really taken that to a full extreme. The difference between, say, the Dolphins and the Cardinals is the Dolphins are a more physical football team. The Cardinals, they try to be innovative, and this this pro style, this air raid offense with Cliff Kingsbury this year has faltered. They're four and eight after starting last season, nine and zero. It's very clear to me. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's last year is here, and so the same can be said with their general manager and Steve Kine, both of whom were extended this last off season. And for the Patriots, I think they're going to show up these Cardinals, and this could be a potential blowout at eight fifteen on Monday night. Wow. Um, I don't know about blowout, but yeah, I'm taking uh, the New England Patriots. I just. While I'm not impressed with my own New England Patriots, I'm not impressed with the Arizona Cardinals either. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I think this is a, a game where Bill Belichick just feasts on, on Kyler Murray and his preparation. So I'm going to roll with New England. I, I'm going to even give you a score. I say 27-17. Hmm. I'm going 27-20. Two important things to monitor in this game. Kyler Murray struggles when he has to roll out to his left opposed to his right side. And with that being said, if he can just get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, what Patriots corner is guarding him? Probably Jonathan Jones, but again, the height 
disadvantaged, is it going to be a problem? What, six foot? Who? Jonathan John- Jones? No, he's 5'10". Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like me guard fucking DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I mean, he's the best corner we got. He was guarding uh, Diggs. He guards... um. Uh, who is the uh, Justin Jefferson? He was guarding. He's just he's there. He just doesn't have the height to match up with the guys. That's the only reservation I have in this game. But I still have the Patriots winning by at least ten points. Rondale Moore is questionable with a groin injury. Well, for the Patriots front, Isaiah Wynn questionable. Same with Jalen Mur- Jalen Mills and Damian Harris. So I could see that... them. Uh, I could see them doubling DeAndre Hopkins though a lot, taking him away. Well, that's why they got Robbie Anderson. Walk, watch out. Uh, yeah, watch out. Now, with all that being said, that's going to wrap up the football portion of this episode before we talk about the NBA for a little bit. Do you guys have anything else? No. I, I think I won in Pick'em this week, so I'm going for uh, my second straight win, second straight week. I should mention that I just got a report. Apparently, Desmond uh, Ritter is going to be the starting quarterback. They have benched Marcus Mariota. Moving about damn time. Can I say this? The Falcons are stuck in neutral. You look at a team that, in the draft, has invested two top eight picks into a tight end in Kyle Pitts and a receiver in Drake London who largely do the same thing on offense when their head coach does not know how to use them. Frankly, doesn't even want to use them. Kyle Pitts now in IR, of course. Drake London, not a big enough feature in this offense. There's just a total misunderstanding here between the general manager and the head coach who are not working hand-in-hand. For this Cardinals team, you take Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati and it was very clear to me on day two, he was a low-ceiling, decent floor type of quarterback prospect. Nothing to write home about. And it took you this long to bench Marcus Mariota? Like, you sign Mariota, you might as well take a swing for the fences on, like, a Sam Howell or even a Malik Willis. They passed on those guys for the safer prospect. To me, that made no sense if this quarterback was going to sit 12 weeks behind Marcus Mariota, who clearly their head coach wanted to use from his time together with him in Tennessee. And now for the Falcons, this upcoming draft is everything. You've done some good moves in the past, but we need to see how serious this franchise is about taking a step forward. Because right now, from the definition of mid, and frankly, I just, I don't understand what their GM is doing. But this Ritter it is. Let's talk some basketball, John. Talk some ball in Sesco. So coming into this, guys, we were going to discuss Trey Young's return to the Garden. But, Justin, what happened last night? The Knicks spoiled it. Bing bong. Got the W. Soiled it. 89. Soiled it. Soiled it. <laughs> Yo, big day from Julius Randle, man. Julius Randle's been playing out of his mind. Way much better basketball. I'm going to read you guys the stat line. 34 points, 17 rebounds, and 5 assists. 10 of 19 from How the Barrett look? R.J. Barrett, 4 of 13, 15 points, still contributed, did his thing on the defensive end. Quentin Grimes, shout out to him. Yo, letting that guy shoot. Evan Fournier out of the rotation. Get this guy in there. Let him shoot. Shooters need to shoot. Quentin Grimes showed that. Five threes last night, 23 points. Nick spoiled uh, Trey Young's return to the garden, and I loved every single second of it. Speaking of Trey Young. Let's yeah, let's dive in, John. Let's let's talk about what Guys, we really need to talk about. Speaking of Atlanta, Atlanta sports right now is in shambles. This offseason, the Hawks traded three first round draft picks for Dejounte Murray, who was coming off his first All Star appearance as a replacement. And we were saying to ourselves, 
You pair up one of the best defensive guards, one of the best playmakers with Trey Young, and you take the load off of Trey, who in his first four years in Atlanta made all the decisions. It was basically Trey ball. And some of his teammates didn't always like that. He maybe dribbled too much. He's arguably the worst defender in basketball in spite of his offensive greatness. And the Hawks this year, 13 and 12, just blown out last night at, on the road versus the, the Knicks. Somehow still the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, which speaks to how top-heavy the conference is, number one right now. But number two, the Hawks are in an identity crisis. And this is going to lead me to the first discussion, the first topic of our NBA episode. With Trey Young, they're a team that took a lot of threes. They're innovative, they're versatile in offense, and they had a ton of shooting. Kevin Herter, who they traded to basically save salary cap, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was coming off from an injury, has only played three games this year, has not looked very good. And then, of course, Danilo Gallinari, who they moved in the DeJounte Murray trade. This team takes a bunch of mid-range shots, and now Trey Young's taking mid-range shots, which makes no sense against none's game whatsoever, and their offense has dropped from a top-three unit last year to 19th in the NBA. Their defense, it's been better with DeJounte, sure, but when you invest three draft picks into an all-star guard, you will like to think the Hawks take a step up. They've just stagnated into a mediocrity, uh, a mediocre playoff team. Justin, you saw it last night. That's going to introduce us to the first topic here. It is... What should I name it? What should I name it? Basically, can they be a championship number one player? What do you guys think is a good name for this topic? I'm trying to think. Who's him? Who's him? There you go. Let me check our notes because I texted you guys something pretty good. Let's see what it is. But so wait, J Justin, aren't the Atlanta Braves good? Atlanta Braves are very good. They just okay, won a so World at Series. Least, at least the Atlanta, because John said Atlanta sports is in shambles. I was like, I think that. I don't watch baseball. Right. Yeah. I don't watch either, yeah. but I'm just saying at least they got that. So. Yeah, they won the World Series last year. Yeah, like so. 2022 last year, like two months ago? No, last 2021. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what I felt a little bit uh, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> the Braves this last year, yeah, they won uh, 101 games after winning the World Series. So they're clearly not in true shambles, but maybe they fall off like the Hawks. So we're going to oh, call this hmm, A1 or not. Nah. Does that make any sense? Can this player be a championship number one player? First name up. Trey Young. No. He's not him. Too miniature. Bad on defense. Abysmal. Abysmal, like John just said. And it, it's just, it, it's not. It's not going to work. I'm sorry. He'd be an amazing number two. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I saw what he's capable of in the garden in the playoffs. So if you, if you have that version. Of, what do you mean? What happened? That's what I'm saying. I saw that version of what he can be. Oh. But I'm saying if if he has a, a number one, a true Batman by his side that can literally do it all, defend, score at will, then, yeah, sky's the limit for the Hawks, but they just don't have that. He can't be that guy. And that Batman has to fit like a Jalen Brown. Mm -hmm. If Trey Young played with Jalen Brown, would the Hawks be able to win a championship if the ball, ball, if the ball rolled their way? So are you asking, is Jalen Brown a number one? Well, who, who would be the number one on that team, Trey or JB? JB is a top 15 player. JB, but I don't think – I don't – Case, uh, I don't think Jalen Brown is a number one on a championship team. I would like to think he can be, 
but I don't know if he is. He's not a good he enough separator one-on-one. -on -one. Like defensively, he's awesome one-on-one, -on -one, but when you're going up against a set defense that's focusing the attention on you, Jalen Brown's best as a complimentary piece that yeah. can attack the secondary side. Paul George is a great Paul example. George. Paul George has also led teams to the conference finals. I don't think Jalen Brown's a good enough one-on-one -on -one ball handler, and he can mm -hmm. handle relatively well. But with Jason Tatum, he's more capable going up against a set defense that's going to double-team him, and he can get his teammates involved more as a playmaker and distributor. So, but you know what? I, I got I got to say this. When we first started this show, this might have been in our first or second episode, mm -hmm. we debated whether or not Jalen Brown was better than Jason Tatum. And Brandon, you were making an argument for Jalen Brown. So mm -hmm. I, I would go as far to say, yeah, he can be a number one on a championship team as long as he's surrounded by the right pieces. He can defend. He can score. Yeah. He, he can do everything. He's a smart basketball player. Very smart. smart. So that's why I would I, say I would give uh, – yeah, I would say Jalen Brown could be a number one. I wouldn't that, say he's just a complimentary piece. It's only we only say that because Jason Tatum's on the team. Now, if you gave him yeah. a team of his own, who knows? No, I think if I you said, did put him in Atlanta – Different That's story. why I said I, I, I think that he can be. I just don't know. I really okay. don't. So at, right now, I'd have to say no, he's not. But I, I, I would like to think he can be. So Jalen Brown is the second player there, huh? Yeah. Okay. Next player up, Devin Booker. That's tough. The Suns were blown out last night. No. By 30. They were down no. by forty-five no. points at one point. No. 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 He can't. No. Why not? Because we saw him without Chris Paul, and it was just not the same. Chris Paul is in and out of the lineup in that Denver. Sorry, Chris Paul is in and out of the lineup in that Los Angeles and Lakers series. The Clippers and Lakers series. Chris Paul is in and out with the hand injury. He was basically uh, he was not a factor on offense. Then he had the C nineteen in the conference finals. Devin Booker a campaign was still good enough to get them to the finals. Uh, yeah, I'd say I, I'm with John there. I think he can be a number one. And I think he was the number one in, in the postseason. So I, I'd say, yeah, obviously you have to have the right pieces around you, but I think he can lead a team. Now, there is something to be said about Devin Booker shrinking in big time moments in high leverage games. Last year versus the Mavericks, he shrunk. And Devin Booker's offensive portfolio, to me, is too many mid-range attempts. Now, I'm nitpicking parts of D-Bucks game, but when you're playing against the very best, and I'm talking top five, top ten players, those, let's say, not as desirable qualities, two-point attempts opposed to more threes, that can rear its ugly head when you don't make those twos early in the game, and then you find yourself behind early. The Suns aren't as good as playing catch-up because they don't have enough three-point shooting, particularly right now when their best three-point shooter in Cam Johnson is recovering from a torn meniscus. For Devin Booker, can he be in championship number one? I'd say yes, but he is the last player to me I'm picking. <laughs> Next player up, Damian Lillard. Mm, yeah. Wait, we've seen it for years. No. No, no, I'm sorry. I wish I could say otherwise, but like Justin said, no. By that, Justin, do you mean three years ago was he championship number one? Or is it after these multiple calf injuries that now you say he's too injury prone? Well, injury prone, and when has he ever gotten his team close to that? Conference finals tour after that tough, gritty second round series versus the Nuggets in 2019. Okay, and what else? 
That was it. Yeah, that's it. And they kind of are, are we going to say the bed in that series too? It's like it's it's almost like the argument. Uh, think about Carmelo. Is Carmelo the number one on the championship team in his prime? Nope. You'd still probably say no, and I'm going to stay stick with that with Damian Lillard. We just haven't seen it. It's not Denver Mello, yes. I think Denver Mello for like when he was going toe to toe with Kobe Bryant in the Western Conference Finals, he was a top five player in the league. Yeah, but you know what? At the same time, what the same argument with Mello, you can say he's probably the biggest reason they got there and the biggest reason why they haven't gotten back. That that's how I think about Mello. Dame's different though, you know. Dame hasn't played with an All Star since 2015 when the Marcus Aldridge left. And this season, Jeremy Grant, who they acquired from Detroit, has been literally an all-star caliber player, but Dev, uh, not Devin Bucker. Damon Lillard this year has missed half their games. So right as the Blazers finally build the best team for a game that he's probably ever had in his career with all these wings and an awesome complimentary guard in Anthony Simons who can let you up for 45 any given night, he's missing all of this time. And for the Blazers, none of those moves matter if team's not healthy. It's simply just not going to mean much. I think Dame was a championship number one, like three years ago in 2020 mm-hmm. when he was carrying that team and they had literally no one on defense. But now it's a different story. I, I don't it's think hard, so. It's hard for me to say, right? Because I think if he was in Miami right now, right, I would say Miami would be a very good favorite to win the championship. But then again, I go back and forth and I'm like, Jimmy might not be the number one option in terms of scoring, but I feel like it's his team. Like he's the guy on that team. Yeah. If you if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. like if that's the case, then I don't think Damien is is that. Mm-hmm. And so that's to say, I think he's great. Like Damian Lillard. I mean, come on, man. But yeah, I, I came off strong. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm hating on Damian Lillard, but but I, I feel and like see, and, and while CJ McCall might not have made an all star team, John, he was an all star caliber player. He was. Come on, man. Barely. Like, he was the 20, okay. 22nd best player in the West. And the West he is still, that team. He still is pretty good. Oh, yeah, really good player. And you said one thing. The one Western Conference appearance, the Western Conference Finals appearance Dave made, he shot 37% in that four-game series. Like, he struggled in the games that mattered. And the Game 7 that got them there, it was it was C.J. McCollum. He was the one in the Nuggets where he had this awesome chase-down transition block on Jamal Murray. He had 30-plus points. When the when the Trailblazers were at their best, it was those two clicking, and usually not just Dame. But then again, he also had 60 points in the 2021 Blazers, the Nuggets as well. So there's both sides to the story. The next player up, guys, can Zion Williamson be a championship number one? The Pelicans, tomorrow, against the Phoenix Suns, have an opportunity to become the number one seed in the Western Conference, riding high on a five-game winning streak. Man, I like Zion a lot, but those injuries really deter me from saying yes, so I cannot say yes. He's been more active on defense this year, though. He has, but it's just the injuries, man. I I, I got to see it. I got to see him be in the lineup for a long period of time and into the playoffs. I have to see it before I can be like, okay, yes, this guy. I think the talent is there but I just have to see him actually be there. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a he's an absolute game changer. So I'd say yes. If if he's healthy, if he's on the court, yeah. I, I'd say he can be a, cha- a number one on a championship team. This year he's averaging 24 a game, 
And in a seven-game series, it's tough to imagine any team slowing him down. When the Pelicans have improved lately, it's been more Zion on the ball because his touch is fuel for the game with that level of strength and athleticism. It's unparalleled. The only player I can compare it to is Shaquille O'Neal. And the difference with Zion is he can run the offense in a pinch. He's a really good passer that occasionally will make a you know rough play. He may have a turnover here and there. He's averaging 2.8 a game. With Zion, it really comes down to this. We haven't seen him in the playoff crucible. And until we see how he can look defensively, where he's guarding space, he's being forced to guard pick and rolls, we're not going to know. And for the Pelicans right now, they're balling. They're playing awesome basketball. But it's because role players like Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado dropped 38 points the other night versus Nuggets. Mm -hmm. And Larry Nance had been amazing for them. And so those players that round out the starting five to start and close games are the difference makers here. And that's why in 2021, the Pelicans had Brandon Ingram, Zion. And even 2020, Drew Holiday. They weren't good because they had the likes of Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams playing off them. Now you have these versatile two-way guards and forwards that make a pretty big difference. And I also want to give a um, a special shout-out to, maybe it's going to seem kind of weird, Dyson Daniels, 20-year-old rookie. Maybe he's 20, right? No, he's 19. Dyson Daniels this year has only played 19 minutes a game in 16 matchups, but he's come in, and in the draft, he was compared a lot to Lonzo Ball, defensive playmaker. He has great hands, great feel. He is probably the future starting point guard on this team. He's starting to make shots. If you guys didn't know, the Pelicans have one of the best shooting coaches in the entire world in Fred Vinson, who basically helped repair Lonzo's jump shot entirely, and Brandon Ingram, who had a wonky-looking three-ball in Los Angeles. And now Brandon Ingram is one of the league's best shooters, both at the foul line and from three-point range, where this year he's been blazing hot. The biggest issue with the Pelicans is Jonas Valanciunas and Zion don't fit together. That's really my big issue here. I think they're going to finish this year as a top three seed, and uh, surely they're going to have a great chance to go to the second round of the playoffs. But Zion's not there yet. Not championship number one player at this current point. That was the last player, but I have one more for you guys. Mm. Paul George. Mm -mm. No. 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 Sorry. Perfect Robin. Not Batman. Before the leg injury, PG-13 was a championship number one style player. I felt Indiana, they had a lot of bad luck, questionable management decisions after his leg injury, and most of all, he, um, since then, while he's gotten better as a shooter and a uh, playmaker, it's tough. Maybe it was just Frank Vogel in that defense in 2014 and 2013 where they're pushing that, that, that Heat team and Paul George's age 22 and 2030 seasons. I kind of wonder, what was the peak version of Paul George? I ask myself that kind of often. In Los Angeles, he's been great, but he hasn't been healthy. Last year for him was the down season where he only played in 31 games. And this year we've seen, look, he's been good when he's on the floor, but he's missed over, what, seven, eight games already this season. Yeah. Probably going to play no more than 55 or 60. And in those OKC days, he was great, but in the postseason, where was he? Nowhere to be found almost. Uh, a lot of that was also to do a pull. Uh, Russell Westbrook taking the ball from him. You know, he was. Uh, I'm not sure at what point. He and Devin Booker are kind of the uh, they're the they're the brink for me. Who now, would you uh, would you say uh, Jimmy Butler? Is Jimmy Butler championship number one player? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, same. But he has to be in the perfect situation. If you put Jimmy in Minnesota in a, a place where he hasn't vibe with the locker room, I, I think that can create a combative yeah. environment. And yeah. in Miami, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, it's almost perfect mm -hmm. for him because they can keep him in check. 
and he fits right in line with that culture that they've tried to cultivate. And now with him, they've, they've established it. But Brandon, one more thing. Did they peak the Miami Heat? This year, the uh, 12th seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Jimmy's missed time. Bam's been awesome. Victor Aldipa returns. As a Heat fan, I don't want to talk too much about potential trades. Uh, but have there been any positives for you so far this season? Tyler Hero, he's been bold. No, not really. Just been disappointment. Do you think they peaked? No, because I mean, if they if they didn't do what they did last year, I think you'd have a much better case that they peaked. But I don't think they peaked. Uh, I just think that they need to make a couple moves. And right now they're handicapped, like we've discussed, and everybody knows they're handicapped. They can't make any moves right now, so it's kind of just it is what it is as of right now, and you kind of just have to deal with it until the off season. Nothing you can do. Some good news. Bam out about 21 points per game in the season. Without Jimmy, he's taken a larger role. Mm-hmm. I always viewed Bam as number three, but right now he's starting to do more on the offensive end, which is cool to see. And Tyler Hero, 20 points. He's been a bucket. Now, I made a mistake. He are the 10th seed, but they have 11 wins, 11 and 14. Mm-hmm. They are 26 in offense and 25th in net rating. After last year, where they were the number one team in three-point shooting percentage, mm-hmm. that has dropped all the way down the 22nd. They've gone from high 30s to 34%. Maybe that worked its way back up, but this Heat team to me is in fear of missing the playoffs if Jimmy Butler can't just carry them. And that may sound crazy, but this playing tournament, you've got a lot of teams in the Wizards, the Knicks, they're going to be fighting with these Miami Heat. And ultimately, I don't see much upside with this Heat team at all, and I think we've seen with no P.J. Tucker and with no Jay Crowder, this team takes a step back. That forward position is pretty big for them. They've peaked. Well, I don't think so. That's it. You're just being a hater. No, I'm not. I'm being. I, they'll, I mean, make I'm the, they'll, they'll make the playoffs, though. They'll make the playoffs. I don't know. Kyle Lowry is probably like your second or third best player right now. And that's yeah, I know. I was the good. one who said Kyle Lowry, that, that – Sign and trade didn't make any sense, and I was told, Brandon, come on, it's great now, you did. No. Well, the first year was supposed to make a ton of sense, but he just got yeah. hurt. You can't I didn't like it at all. I mean, Goran Dragic, Kyle Lowry. Goran Dragic is Dragic. old and somewhat I'll washed still out. take Goran Dragic. At least he's he's cheaper. I think, I think Miami does get to the playoffs. I think it's crazy yeah. to think that they won't. I think it's still early in the season. We're looking at Philadelphia as an eighth seed. A lot of us had them in our top four. There's been a lot oh. of injuries. Yeah, there's injuries. I mean, look at the gap between your four seed and then your 10 seed. The Brooklyn Nets, their top four seed. You guys back in? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Kevin Durant this year, no one's going to say it. He's been arguably the best defender in the NBA. He has been transcendent almost on that end. And we've seen the past when he was in Golden State. That dude has been an elite defender in the past. And people don't want to give him the credit for some strange reason. But this Nets defense, since November, has been the best in the NBA. And so, or since December 1st, was it? Mm. The last three or four weeks, they've been the best, best top three defense. Right up there with the likes of the Cavaliers. And that starts with KD. Sure, they have Nick Claxton, who's taken a step forward in his fourth season. He's been healthy. And Ben Simmons has been a nice addition on the wins, but... Kevin Durant is the only reason why they're above 500 right now. And truth be told, you can make a case Kevin Durant's still a top three player in the world. Yes, that's that's a very fair 
fair thing to argue but yeah um i think the nba season it's it's we're so quick to jump in and out on teams at we're only in december that's what i'm saying it's, it's early december and we really don't start getting into the thick of things until like february when we really start to see what teams are about after who they are through we'll injury yeah right after the all-star break we're gonna see what teams are with their injuries Trade. at the end of the day who's gonna get into the postseason really all matters on health if Miami's not healthy, that's an easy way for them to slip out. The Knicks are playing decent basketball right now. They might slide in, but it's all about we'll see where they are in February because that's that's when we really see the two, the true test uh-huh. of what these teams really are. 100%. For sure. With all that being said, oh, one more thing. Now. One more thing, John, before we end. We've got the final UFC pay-per-view of the year. Ooh. Okay, UFC 282. We got uh, the return of a couple of fighters that I'm a huge fan of. We got Darren Till, Scouser from Liverpool, coming back after, I believe, a year-plus hiatus. He's on a fight skid. He's got a tough fight against uh, uh, Drickus Duplessis. I'm excited for that fight. I'm excited for my boy Darren Till. I'm going to be excited through his walkout. It's the first time since before the pandemic that he is fighting in front of fans, and he's got a great walkout. He comes out to Sweet Caroline. The crowd gets into it, so it's the first time since before the pandemic that the fans are going to be able to hear that and sing along with it. Uh, excited for Darren Till. We got um, – I'll just, I'll, I'll just hit uh, this last one because it's not – an insanely hyped up fight card. The main event got canceled with uh, some other stuff, but the co-main event now is the return of Patty the Batty Pimblet. He is fighting in the co-main event against Jared Gordon. I'm excited for Patty's return. It's his first time fighting in Las Vegas, so big, big, uh, big time fight for Patty. Co-main event spot on a pay-per-view. It's gonna be big. I'm excited for this card. Uh, it's got some good names on it. It's pretty It's pretty stacked for a final year card. There's been some pullouts and injuries that fight, things have had to change, but it's still all in all a good fight. Uh, Saturday night, tune in. Uh, but yeah, if you want a quick, my quick bets that I placed on this, um, I put uh, Alexander Hernandez, just straight up money line. He's an underdog. I picked Chris Curtis, underdog, money line. Edmund Shabaznian, uh, money line. I picked Rosenstrike and Dawkins not to go the distance. That's two heavyweights. They both really don't go to the distance. They're just going to slang and bang. Uh, I got Bryce Mitchell, which is surprising. He's an underdog, beating Ela uh, Taporia, or as Patty calls him, uh, hand sanitizer guy. Uh, I couldn't pick Darren Till just because He's falling on rough times. I'm going to be rooting for him. I'm going to be rooting for him. I just cannot put my money on him anymore because it's just, it all, it, it's ended in, in, in some heartbreak the last couple of times. Then I got Patty uh, beating Jared Gordon by either uh, TKO, KO, or submission. And then in the final fight, I just picked up uh, Magomed Ankalaev to be the new UFC light heavyweight champion beating Jan Blahovich. But tune in Saturday night. Should be a great night. Final UFC pay-per-view of the year. Uh, I'm excited, man. 
send me that ticket when whenever you put I'll it in. Yeah. I'm actually very I'm actually pretty confident in this one because I've I've kind of I'm just I'm just feeling confident about this one. I don't know. Maybe it's okay. a false confidence, but I'm feeling confident. And before we go, I got three locks of the week for the NFL. And if you want to place a bet, I got the Raiders minus six and a half tonight. I got the Lions minus one and a half against Minnesota. And I got the Cleveland Browns plus six and a half against Cincinnati. Close one, eh? My lock of the week would be Dallas over Houston. I know it's a it's a cop out, but I don't care. Hey man, that's a that's a it's big a lock of the week, baby. Okay. What about you, John? I'm between fly, eagles fly, fly, eagles fly. Vikings at Lions. The Vikings covering minus two. The Vikings winning. And no, not the fly eagles. And then the Panthers covering, or sorry, the Seahawks covering minus three and a half. Okay. Mine's going to be honestly, mine's the Vikings covering plus two. Vikings plus two. I think they're going to beat the Lions, but act, that's not my lock. But no, sorry. <laughs> the, the Lions are playing too good at football right now. That game is a total toss-up. I'm not putting my money on Kirk Cousins like that. Patriots I, over I, Cardinals, John. Lock it. To Carolina, plus four. Patriots minus 1.5. Yeah. I got to go Patriots minus 1.5. I had the Patriots being the Cardinals. That's my lock of the week. This is a strange week of games. <laughs> lock of the week. You know, a lot of it's blowouts. Like, I'm not taking the Steelers minus two and a half. Oh, maybe that is. That's, I like that pick a lot. I like, oh, I like the Ravens one. plus two and a half. Uh-oh. No, I'm taking it. Screw it. Taking it. What am I doing? My lock of the week is Steelers minus two and a half, defeating the Ravens at home and ruining their season, as always. With all that being said, Steelers five game win streak coming through. That was the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Sabrina, Capazillo, and Justin Rain. As always, Justin, until next time. Stay classy.